healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, There are a handful of things that have uh, come up since I've moved to Big Sandy um, um, that that have kind of caught my attention in ways I didn't expect them to. Um, We're we're talking about grace this morning, and uh, I've been thinking a lot about about examples of grace that I've encountered, and one of them um, was, was kind of a direct result of moving here from a city. Um, is, am I the only like actual city person? I mean, amongst the Montanans, Great Falls doesn't count. It's not a city. <laughs> um, my neighborhood was bigger. I, you're from you're from Houston, yeah. Um, oh, the Chicagoans. Um, so, um, if you were driving around in the area, city folk, um, and you saw the cows, those those cows are not pets. Okay. The, those cows become hamburger. Um, my, my, <laughs> thank you. My daughter, a few weeks ago, she had this, this moment of realization, um, where she's just beginning to figure things out. And she was at the, at the Durgis place and they have these, these piggies, right? And she got to go and feed the piggies and she went on and on about the piggies and we're in the car driving and, and she said, Dad, do we eat the piggies? Yeah, we we eat the piggies, honey. She said, "What? What?" <laughs> and she she started getting upset. She said, "I'm not eating piggies ever again. That's that's terrible. I can't eat piggies. They're my friends." And I said, "Well, honey, that means you can never eat bacon again." And she started to cry. <laughs> it's true. I <laughs> and she decided that maybe piggies, you know, serve a higher purpose. Um, the reason I'm sharing that with you is um, those pigs, believe it or not, were born for the purpose of becoming bacon, right? Like, like they were brought into this world for the purpose of becoming bacon. And, and on Facebook recently, I saw a picture that Sarah posted of a, of a, of a bunny. Not a chocolate bunny, um, but of a bunny. And, and they, the Durgas, I told them I was doing this. I'm not just, they raise rabbits for the specific purpose of food. Right? I mean, rabbits are good for wrecking your lawn. They're cute, and you sometimes eat them. Right? Um, and, and so they raise these rabbits, and, and it's a very... You don't want to see how the sausage is made. You just want to eat it. But I did go over and see how it was made once, and, and that was an experience. But, but they had a rabbit that was particularly cute. Is that why? It was really friendly. Oh. I, I, a very friendly rabbit. And, and Sarah posted a picture, and she said... I, I, this rabbit is friendly. It's easy to handle. Um, if somebody doesn't adopt it in the next couple days, I'm going to go ahead and turn it into, you know, rabbit burgers. And, and she got immediate responses, and the rabbit was immediately brought up. And that, that's an act of grace for the rabbit, right? Grace is a gift. <laughs> We're talking about grace. This is a series on grace. It's the last sermon on grace. Um, grace is a gift that you receive that you cannot earn and do not deserve. Got it? It is a gift that we receive from God. Rabbits, these rabbits, were born for the purpose of, of, of being, you know, in stew. Um, all people, right? We were designed by God. We were created with the purpose of glorifying him. But because of sin, we all kind of carry like like a cloud with us. Does that make sense? We all carry this judgment that's going to come on us. 
Like, like we, we accumulate wrath. And it's, it's a hard thing to say. I'm not saying it because I enjoy saying, oh, God's coming for you because I'm there too. Believe me. Um, and God, because he loves us. Oh, I made one of the Hepner kids cry. Um, God, because, because of his love and his mercy, right? Not because we earn it. Not because we're cute. Not because we're easy to handle. Not because of anything that we do. But because God is amazing in how merciful and how loving he is for us. He provides a way for us to receive grace. To receive forgiveness. And that forgiveness comes because Jesus takes punishment for our sins. Like when we talk about Good Friday and Easter, I'm, I'm so sorry. We're not having bunny for lunch. <laughs> Thank you for catching that. <laughs> um, because God sent his son to take punishment in our place, we are forgiven, right? Those who follow Jesus are forgiven, not because we earn it, not because we deserve it, not because we, we are so cute and wonderful, but because God is graceful and he's merciful. And through his son, through just the awful thing that the cross was, we receive grace. Um, and so as we talk about grace, it's a complicated subject. We've talked about kind of abusing it and ignoring it in favor of like earning your way to heaven. And, and we've talked about a few other things. And this week we're going to talk about workers and wages. Um, and, and we're going to look at a farming parable. So it, it's right at home here, right? Um, except it's grapes, and I don't think no. Do, does anybody grow grapes here? You can't, can you? No, they make juice out of dandelions, I think, because they can grow those. Um, <laughs> believe me, I know. Um, <laughs> so the Grace Series so far, we've talked about these things. We're looking at the book of Matthew today. Matthew is a book that was written for Jewish Christians, right? It is a very, very Jewish book. And so there's a lot of things that built into Jewish law or that address Jewish attitudes or that Jewish people would like specifically be able to connect with. And that's important today because it's going to play into how we understand this story. Um, The previous chapter, we see Jesus out teaching. He's approached by a wealthy young man. And the wealthy young man says, teacher, what must I do to go to heaven? What do I got to do to get there? And he says, well, you've got to keep the commandments. You've kept the commandments, right? Like, don't commit adultery, don't kill anyone, don't, um, you know, want things that don't belong to you. And he says, well, I've kept all of those. And Jesus says, all right, one more thing. Now all you've got to do is go and give away everything you have to the poor. And then you're golden. And the guy gets upset and walks away very sad because he was really wealthy and he really loved his money. And there's kind of a tricky little story there. Like, there's a tricky little thing that's, that's in the story that's easy to miss. When Jesus lists off the commandments, he never talks about loving God more than anything, right? The first four commandments, you know, no other God before me, take a day off every week to spend with me, um, don't use my name to swear um, or say things that I didn't say and attribute them to me. There are a lot of people who will be in trouble for that one day. Um, he didn't include any of those, and they're all summed up as love God more than anything, Right? And and the reason I think he didn't is because the man loved money more than he loved God. And he sort of put it out there. You know what, this guy, he loved money more than he loves God. And and afterwards, you know, the guy walks away and Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven, which is um, hard to understand sometimes. Um, it's easy to think, actually, I watched a Saturday Night Live years and years ago, did a great skit where they had... Uh, one of the Baldwins, who they're all richer than me. Um, and, and he was playing a rich man. And he read this passage and it changed his life. And so he decided to spend the rest of his life developing technology to get a camel through the eye of a needle so that he could have them both. Um, 
It, and I've talked to folks, well, can I have money and can I still get into heaven? What's the deal there? The deal is you need to love God more than anything, right? It's very difficult to have a Ferrari and to not love it, right? Or, or a brand new Ford truck and not love it. I mean, if you had a Dodge, it'd be one thing, but a Ford, um, <laughs> I do, because <laughs> I care. I have a Toyota, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> Um, and, and so, like, we move on from there, and the apostles turn, and they say, well, what about us? I, we've left our homes, we've left our businesses, we've left our families, we've left everything for you. And Jesus says, listen, no one who's given up anything will be, you know, will be shorted their reward. Don't worry, when you get there, you will be with me. And um, he ends with the line. Um, he says, uh, um, the last will be first, right? There's going to be some surprises, And so then he moves on to this story immediately. He ends it with the last will be first. So you guys gave up everything for me and don't worry, there's a reward for you. The the last will be first. And then he jumps into this tale, um, which is for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. A denarius was um, sort of a traditional one day wage, right? For an unskilled laborer, they agreed on one day wage. It was roughly 10 um, smaller coins put together. I mean, think of it in terms of like dollars. It would be like $10, right? Um, I, I don't know the exact scaling. It was enough for a person to eat and like basically take care of themselves for a day. Got it? Um, so they agree. Hey, you're going to get your denarius at the end of the day. Go work in my vineyard. Now, they start early in the morning. Right. I'm not a farmer, but I think there's a reason you start early in the morning, which would be because you got more sunlight. Right. And also, if you're going to hire a guy from sunrise to sunset, when are you going to hire him? First thing in the morning. Right. You might go out when it's still dark and hire him because you want him to get out there. These guys would have been very poor. Right. They would have been subsistence laborers, meaning they earn what they earn and then they eat it at the end of the day. And every day they work, they eat what they earn, right? Very poor people. They would have been unskilled laborers. So we go on. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. Now, in Jewish culture, they didn't have um, clocks like we have. The digital watch wasn't invented until a few years later. Um, the alarm clock was definitely not invented, but I think they had roosters and that's worse, right? Um, so the way they divided up the day, it was a 12-hour day, period, right? Sun up to sundown, 12 hours, and they sort of guessed, right? And different times of the year, the hour had a different length. So like during the summer when the day is long, the hour was twice as long, right? It'd be like, you know, childcare days or during the sermon where the hour seems like 10 times longer than it should be. Um, wow, (laughs) that was rough. Um, (laughs) so he says to him three hours in, so that's a third of the way into the day. Um, so one quarter of the day is gone. He goes to these people. He says, well, listen, go work in my field. I'll pay you what you deserve at the end of the day. Whatever's right. I'll pay it to you. And so he doesn't negotiate with them. He doesn't say, um, anything about what their wage would be. He says, whatever's right. And the assumption would be that it would be a three quarters of a denarius, right? Or, you know, seven fifty. 
if we were going to. Anyway, um, and so they went going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. He did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard, too. Now, the sixth hour, the day is half over. So those guys are going to get paid how much? Yeah, $5 or half a denarius, right? Because they work half the day, and what's right is that they would get paid for half a day. That's how wages work, right? Um, unless you're a salaried employee, and then you work every day, and you get paid. Anyway. Um, and then the ninth hour, so that's a quarter of the day remaining. And then the eleventh hour, which means there's about an hour left, right? These guys are going to get um, pocket change, Right? Now, why would they still be hanging out at the end of the day? It's an interesting question. If you're a subsistence worker, right, and you don't work one day, what do you not do at the end of the day? Eat. And so these guys are desperate enough that they've stood around for a whole day hoping someone will hire them, right, hoping someone will pull them out even for the few, like, like pennies they're going to get in order to work, um, Perhaps they have kids, perhaps they have a family, perhaps they have debts, whatever it is, they, they, these guys are desperate to work. And, uh, and, and they're sent out. He says, listen, go work too. Doesn't negotiate with them, doesn't make an offer, doesn't say, hey, I'll feed you at the end of the day and that'll be it. Doesn't nothing. He just says, go work. And these guys don't want to discuss it, they want to go work. Right? Only people he negotiated with were the first ones. Right? All right, so we jump on to the evening. And when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. Now, watch this. There was a law, a Jewish law, right? At the end of the day, if you had a day laborer, you had to pay him at the end of the day, according to the law. If you did not pay your day laborer at the end of the day, it was considered to be like a a significant sin. Right. It was it was oppressing the poor, which the Old Testament has a lot to say about. You should not oppress the poor. Um, and, and it's the sort of thing that God gets pretty mad about. And so it's a big deal. Pay them at the end of the day so they can have their lunch or their dinner um, supper. Is that what it is in this part of the country? Um, so he gathers them all up and he starts paying the last ones first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. How much did they have coming? Very little. Right? How much did they get? A full day's wage. Um, did they deserve it? Did they earn a full day's wage? Not really, right? They earned a little bit. What they received was payment in full. Um, and on receiving it, they grumbled. Oh, sorry, I skipped a verse, didn't I? Um, Oh, I skipped half the verse. They received a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. So the first guys, the guys who worked, you know, about an hour, got paid. And they got paid a lot. And so the guys who worked all day thought, oh, my gosh, if that guy did that much and he got that much, I'm going to get something big, right? I'm going to get something great. And they go in and what do they receive? The same pay. They receive the pay that they agreed upon, the full day's labor, like wage. Um, and on receiving it, they grumbled at, their mas- at the master of the house, saying, these last workers only worked one hour. 
um, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Um, there's a couple things there. Um, first off, who has ever grumbled against a boss because of your paycheck? <laughs> um, it's, it's not that uncommon. These guys start complaining immediately. Were they cheated? No. What is it actually they specifically complain about? They say, we did the hard part. We were out in the heat of the day. We did everything. And you have made them equal to us. And so what are they? They are jealous, right? They're really jealous. Um, it's like my kids. When, when I give one of them a piece of candy and the other one gets a piece of candy and, and they look at each other and, and the older one says, well, wait a minute, shouldn't I get more? I've been here longer, Right? Um, and, you know, the immediate thing is, why does he get the same thing as me? I should get more. Um, it's a jealousy thing because they receive more grace than the guys who are working all day, right? And so there's this, this sort of anger that comes out um, because these guys received a gift and we received nothing. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did, did the, did the uh, master, did the employer cheat his employees? Not really. Actually, he was more than fair with everyone because he paid the first group what they had earned and he gave the rest what he felt like he wanted to give them as a gift, as a grace, really. I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge me my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Now, the last line there is huge, right? Because that's what he said to the disciples when they said, hey, we gave up everything, right? And so there's a hint there. Now, watch this. There's sometimes a perspective that folks take right? And it's not a grace perspective. Grace is God gives it to me and I don't deserve it, right? God gives it to me and I haven't earned it. God gives it to me and I deserve actually the opposite. I deserve God's wrath, but what I get is his forgiveness. That's grace. Now these guys get to the end and they're like, but I worked hard, right? I'll tell you what, guys, I've been a Christian for over 20 years. I've gone to seminary. I've been punched in the face by people I was preaching to. I've done that. I have, you know, these are the things I've done. Like I've, I've been in the mud and I've preached to homeless people and, and stuff like that. And, and in the end, like, shouldn't I be getting more than, I don't know, Michael? <laughs> no response. I, I picked you because I thought you'd shoot back. I, um, at, <laughs> what has happened at that point in time when I say, well, I've earned more than you, is I've gone from a position of saying, I've received in grace and I'm going to save as many people with me, right? I'm going to pull as many people you know, who are drowning out of the water as I can. I'm going to serve God because I love him, because I appreciate so much what he's done for me. I've gone from that position to, well, hey, I earned heaven. Oh, you, you, you better believe it. I've done, I've done my bake sales and I've done my... <laughs> My potlucks and I have earned, I've sat through Eric's sermons and that's torture enough. I have earned heaven. I deserve it. We don't deserve it. We don't. We don't earn it. We don't work hard enough. We don't go through the hard enough conditions. We don't compare ourselves with, you know, with the people who aren't missionaries. But I am. You can't earn it. You cannot. When you hear a preacher talk about how great their works are, 
as if they were earning their way to heaven or as though they were standing on a pedestal above the other folks, they're not telling the truth. At the end of the day, when you see somebody who is doing good or great things for God, what they are doing is God's work for them, right? They're serving God, but they're the same sinners that we all are. I'm the same sinner that you are. And I, I don't, well, I do mean to be offensive, you know, but I'm there with you, okay? Um, the disciples, he says, listen, you've got stuff coming. It's an amazing thing you've done. You're acting out of love for me. Um, but everybody's got something coming. Even the lowest of the low and the people who don't deserve it have got something coming. Um, because God is generous. This is actually not an unusual um, story for the Gospels or for the culture. I read a parable when I was preparing for this message. It was a Jewish parable. Um, and it's possible like that it's responding to Jesus or Jesus was, just, was responding to it. But about a king who hired workers and there was a really skilled guy. And the guy went out and worked for the first couple hours of the day. And he calls him in and says, come here and sit at my table and eat with me and talk. And everybody else works. And at the end of the day, he pays the guy the same as everybody else. And they say, well, why did he get more? He only did two hours of work. And the king says, he worked better than the rest of you. And so he got the same you got. He didn't have to work as much. Um, sometimes folks take this attitude, right? And, and actually part of what Matthew, what Jesus is doing here, and part of Matthew's emphasis here is to the Jewish believers saying, listen, you may have been following the law the whole time, but you were breaking it the same as they were. And you're just forgiven the same way they were. Do not think you have earned your way into heaven. Do not think you are holy enough that God is like graced by your presence. Ultimately, you're the same filthy homeless beggar as the rest of us. And God welcomes you into his palace because he is amazing and loving and gracious. One of the other parallel stories actually is the story of the, um, the um, wedding banquet, right? Um, where a king throws a wedding banquet for his son and none of the guests show up. So he tells his servants, go out and go out and get me all the homeless people. Go get me the people who are living in the ditches in the country, the lame people, the dirty people. Get them all in here and we'll feed them because they'll be invited, right? Did they deserve to be invited? No, not at all. The invitation's a gift. Uh, the prodigal son, everybody knows that story, right? Prodigal son, the son who says to his dad, you're as good as dead to me. Give me my inheritance so I can get out of here. <laughs> Takes his inheritance, heads to a foreign land and lives wild. And ends up poor in the end because you give a young man money, you'll end up with nothing in the end. And he was feeding the bacon producers, which is an offensive job for the Jews. And he says, you know what, I'll go back and be a slave to my dad. And his dad ran out to meet him. Now, a Jewish man, when he ran, they wore robes. So I don't wear a robe often. I also don't wear a dress. But if you're running a dress, what do you got to do? I assume you got to hike it up. <laughs> And so this father sees his son coming in the distance. He hikes up his um, robe <laughs> and he runs out to meet him, which, by the way, Jewish men never ran. It was considered the height of dignity to walk as a Jewish man. And he humiliates himself running out to his son. And the son starts to say, Dad, I screwed up. Please make me a slave. And he throws his arm around him and says, shut up. We'll talk about it later. Come on in. And he has a banquet for him, right? Was there another brother in the story? Do you guys know this one? What does the other brother say? Not fair. Not fair. I've been working the whole time. Haven't I deserved a par earned a party? Haven't I earned something? The older brother is the first worker, right? 
at the end of the day saying, well, I got what I got coming, but shouldn't I have more than him? Shouldn't I get something special? At the end of the day, God delights in his people who follow him, right? But there's a party that breaks out in heaven every time, like a lost person, every time somebody who is like mired in their sin, um, every time Jesus pulls them out of the dirt and cleans them up like with his death for us, like every time that happens, a party breaks out in heaven. Um, as we kind of finish up our series on grace, as we kind of come to the end, my challenge for y'all is um, is twofold, actually. I always close with a challenge, right? Um, for those of y'all who do not know Jesus, for those of y'all who do not live in grace, for those of y'all who are not in this place where, like, forgiveness is is pouring over you and you are lucky enough to have been brought into the vineyard early, right? For those of you... I'm sorry... I screwed that up, didn't I? Those of y'all who are not lucky enough to have been hired into the vineyard, like, all you have to do is, like, say to Jesus, like, you know, I'll follow you. This is it. I'll, this is my life. I'll do this with you. I'll come in. I'll do the work. You know, I'm not going to earn anything, but I'll do it because I appreciate the grace and the forgiveness you give me. And then it's a gift, right? Can't earn it. Just given. Like, if you are in that spot where you do not know Jesus, it's a gift. It's the greatest gift you can receive. And it starts with just saying, I'll follow you. Um, for those of y'all who have been following Jesus for a while, there's, there's a tendency to shift into earning, right? There's a story Jesus tells about a Pharisee who's praying in the temple. He says, God, thank you that I am not like other men. I know I say it every morning. <laughs> Kidding. Seeing who's listening. Um, <laughs> It was actually a very common prayer amongst, um, amongst Jews in the, fir- in the first century. They would stand up and they would say, God, thank you that I am you know, not like the Gentiles. And thank you that I am not a woman. And thank you that I am not, and he'd list off everybody that they're better than. Thank you for making me better than the people around me, right? And there's a tendency to fall into that pattern, to forget that God gives us everything as a gift, right? And that ultimately that gift is God's deal. It's not how great I am, it's how great he is. Um, nearby a sinner was praying, a tax collector. Everybody hates tax collectors. Especially in, what is it, March? Is that when you've got to pay them? Oh, we've got time. <laughs> it's May, isn't it? <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sure the IRS has grace. Um, <laughs> my wife pays it. I wouldn't be responsible for something that serious. Um <laughs> The tax collector's nearby, and he won't even look up. And he just hits himself in the chest over and over again and says, God, have mercy on me. I'm so sorry. God, have mercy on me. I'm so sorry. And the Pharisee's natural response is, hey, you should have thought of that beforehand, right? You're not as good as me. It's, it's an attitude that seeps into the church. It seeps into folks. And, and it's sometimes the reason why people approach church and their response is, hey, you think you're better than me. Or the church is full of hypocrites. And the answer is, of course it's full of hypocrites. None of us are good enough to deserve the grace we get. Like, hooray, right? But when the attitude shifts and it becomes, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than all these sinners, I'm better than the people who, you know, look at dirty pictures on the Internet or, or don't, you know, don't work hard enough or don't show up to church every Sunday or don't do these things, you know, I'm better than the guys who are drinking too much, I'm better than the guys who are screwing up with their kids, I'm better than the guys who can't mow their lawn just the right way, um, it's not right. It's actually an offense to God in the end. When Jesus finishes talking about the Pharisee and the tax collector, he says, 
which one was right before God at the end of the day. And the Pharisees in the audience said, uh, probably the second one. They couldn't even bring themselves to say the tax collector because they assumed they were better, right? My challenge for you is if you're a believer, keep yourself in a place where you realize you do not deserve the grace God has given you. It is a gift and you should celebrate it every day and live as though you've just received the best gift you could ever, ever receive. Because there is no more precious gift than the blood of Jesus, than God's son. God's son who raised the dead, healed the, healed the lame, and, and literally, like, like, you know, talked to prostitutes. No Jewish man would talk to a woman in public, much less a prostitute. And he, he conversed with him. He was God talking to those people face to face. It is the most generous and amazing gift you can receive. Be gracious. Be gratitude. Have gratitude. Be filled with gratitude and live with gratitude every day. Um, you haven't earned it. You haven't gotten it because you're the cutest one in the bunch. You got it because God loves you. Because you're just as bad as the rest of us, right? And I'm worse than most of y'all. We're going to close in prayer. And as we go out of here, my challenge to you is, first off, to eat lunch. And to congratulate a graduate or two, right? Two? Um, And after that is to go out into the world and be a shining light of that grace. Let people who encounter you Like, drink up God's grace from the way you talk and the way you act and the way you give and the way you bless them. Like, pour grace on the folks around you. Um, Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today and be with our graduates. Um, Help them to um, just kind of go forward and and just be a blessing to this world. Help them to go out and and conquer in your name. Um, Pray that you would be with the folks who are here and touch their hearts. Um, touch their minds, touch their souls. Um, I pray that you would help them, them that, that know you, Lord, to, to live in, in a place where they appreciate the grace and understand the grace and recognize the, the payment they receive isn't a payment they earned. It's a gift you've given, Lord. And those who don't know you or those who've walked through their lives ignoring you, Lord, I pray that you would touch their hearts and help them to come into a place where they would you know, take up their spot in the vineyard. Um, in Christ's name. Amen. We were supposed to do something where we gave things to graduates, which I think we'll probably do during the lunch, and I'm sorry it's a chaotic morning. Um, Stand up and we'll close with a blessing. I apologize to those of you who are here for that, and I forgot. So, my fault. Forgive me. (laughs) May the God of grace, may the God of grace who gave his only son for you, may the God of grace who would go through anything to bring you home, fill you with just appreciation for the gift you've received. May your hearts be just overflowing with his spirit and the humility that comes with knowing that that you've received payment you don't deserve. Um, Amen.